0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to Tacovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz buzzbaits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out.
2: Welcome to the Feather and Fur segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. Join me, Brad Herlebuss, as we sit around the campfire with this week's special guest to talk hunting, dogs, traditions, and all things outdoors. Welcome back, everyone, to the Feather and Fur Podcast. Brad Hurlbus here again, and tonight we have on Bell Richard. Uh, Let's bring him in right away. Here we go.
1: Hey, how's it
3: going?
2: Welcome to the show, Trevor.
3: Thanks. I appreciate it.
2: Glad Uh, to be here. I just introduced you beforehand, and I completely skipped your first name. I guess it's going to be that kind of show. (laughs) So just to recap, we have... Trevor Bell Richard on tonight, not just Bell Richard. Uh yeah, that was real <laughs> smooth. That's that's a great start. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank I, I appreciate you being on. No, of course. Um. So yeah. How how how's your night? How are you doing tonight? Ah, it's
3: going pretty good. Uh, well, it was until about 20 minutes ago where I saw the dog had uh, chewed up another one of my daughter's sandals. So we're gonna have to get that squared away.
2: Oh, <laughs> lost another sandal to the pup. What kind of uh, dog
3: do you have? A wired-haired-pointing griffin. Uh, he'll be two this fall, so he's still uh, an outlaw. We're still figuring stuff out. Um, but, but yeah, we're, we're getting somewhere. This shoe thing is new, though. Uh, only, like, this week uh, it's been a sandal a day, basically. Um, so we're, we're down... Quite a few pairs here
2: <laughs> <laughs> and of course it's never the same pair right it's always it's always no, the no, left no. Of this one or the right of this one singles I mean, just how it, yeah oh, yeah, oh always, yeah
3: always singles so we'll have I to mean, try to figure that out
2: that that i mean i also have a grip i mean um that's one thing that really was a challenge to me like when i started because i rescued her at six but there's still a, a lot of training we did to brush her back up on like she hadn't hunted since she was one and a half so there's a lot of obedience brought back into it and working with birds. And the best way I heard it put is you have to handle them with a firm hand and a white glove. Because they're mm. so smart, but they're – I wouldn't say they're stubborn, but you have to just be, like, firm with them. Like, you like you can't give them any slack, but you can't overpressure them either because, at least with my dog, she's soft. At, underneath that, that, like, stubborn, like, smart stubbornness, she's
1: soft.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the same with, uh, Raleigh. He's, uh, yeah, he's soft at heart. He really wants to do it though. Like he, this dog has the most try in him I've seen. He's so eager and wide eyed uh, and attentive when you, uh, when you got his attention, but, uh, he's, he's young. So he's still not a hundred percent sure what he's supposed to be concentrating on. Uh, a guy I know who, um, he has a, couple of Weimaraners, but he was just saying generally with uh, German versatile breeds, he was telling me that because they're required to do so many different things that their systems kind of come online at different times. So he may, you know, he may seem stellar in one area and you're like, well, why isn't it working over here? And then that thing will finally click in, but then he's got to sort now these two things that he's kind of good at, and figure out where my emphasis is going to be and then a third thing comes online and <laughs> Right, and that's that's definitely the that's a pretty apt description of, of how things have gone With him you feel like you're really getting somewhere and now all of a sudden He's interested in rabbits, which I don't I don't want him chasing him I don't necessarily want to discourage it because it's in his blood
2: You know, so so I understand I understand the fur problem completely because my dog, she would she'd much rather chase rabbits than birds. So, I mean, if she gets on a hot rabbit set, it is super hard to break her. But at the same time, I don't want to I don't want to ruin that drive that she has overall. So it's such that fine line. And that's something I'm not used to because I came from a lab where with a lab I'm like whatever you want to chase I don't I don't really care <laughs> and right. he was never interested really in rabbits I'd take him out rabbit hunting and he'd he'd move rabbits and he would go the other way and I just watch. I'm like all right that's fine you're still moving them I don't <laughs> I don't really care but but Pippa man she gets on a hot rabbit scent and it's like I don't care like feathers what are feathers I want to go chase this little fur ball running around
3: yeah no I've it, the same thing I would say he has a preference toward fur that that's in there somewhere uh I've not I've not talked to other uh, Griff guys yet, but um I don't know. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe they're more a fur dog and we're sort of forcing this. The, I don't know. But he really likes rabbits, that's for sure. And sandals, apparently. Sandals and rabbits <laughs> right now.
2: I will say this. Mine has no mine has no interest in squirrels. Oh. Huh. Interesting. Like she, she she'll She'll see a squirrel and it doesn't. Whatever. She's she's more focused on birds, and then rabbits. Get, but then the rabbits. I mean, but it surprises yeah. me that fur, like squirrels, no interest, none whatsoever.
3: Yeah, that's weird. I don't know how they're different. Well, I mean, I know how squirrels and rabbits are right. different as a person, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know why they would be different um, for a dog. That's odd. Huh.
2: Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it's just one of her quirks, and that's the and that's just her but it is interesting to hear that yours also prefers the rabbits at times over, over birds. So now you're now, now you do have me curious if it's a breed thing.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. And no, I'd say most times, not even at times, I'd say like majority <laughs> of the time, uh, that's, that's what he would prefer. Uh, I mean, we were, we were out a lot on state land last year. Um, but you know, he was still pretty young. He didn't really figured a whole lot out. So, uh, you know, it was a pretty game-rich environment in terms of, you know, hitting land shortly after the bird truck had been out in some cases. Uh, so, obviously, he was pretty excited about it then. But, but yeah, generally uh, chasing deer tracks and uh, looking for rabbits is kind of how <laughs> this year's gone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and that can be frustrating. It can because, like, when she gets – it's really – I'm starting to be able to read her the difference between when she's on a rabbit or if she's birdie. But for those first few hunts, when I couldn't tell the difference, I was all jet. We're up in grouse country, and I'm like, "Oh, she's super birdie. Here we go, and here comes out this giant, giant like
0: cocktail. I'm like, "Oh, that's not what we're looking for."
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, we we had a few uh, points this last year where we'd be running a you know a, a ditch edge and. He'd be running full tilt, slam on the brakes, you know, the skidding slide stop to a point. And then, yeah, Rabbit's sitting there. I was like, "Ah, uh, all right. (laughs) I'm a little disappointed, but I'm not going to tell you (laughs) that. (laughs) I
2: I won't shoot one around her because I don't want to give her the reward. But if Mm -hmm. she flushes run and runs the the other way and it gives me an opportunity not with her being able to see, I'll, I'll use it to my advantage, though.
3: Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I never shot any just because I've been nervous about, you know, because it's my right. first pointer, so I, I'm still – I know what books have told me from what I've read and what I've heard on, you know, like Hunting Confidential or other podcasts or guys I talk to, but it's um, it's all pretty new to me. So, yeah, no, I, I haven't shot any over them either. It, and the situations are pretty risky too. I mean, I would have been right. – ch- blasting right over his head i'm like i'm not gonna do that yeah, even if no.
2: I wanted to. So yeah that. no that's no I, I only can think of one really off the top of my head where she flushed a rabbit it ran right she took off left by like i don't know 30 40 yards and the thing came in front of me 20 yards away and now we're like 180 degrees apart and she doesn't even know what's going on i'm like well i'm not going to pass this opportunity up this is just too easy but then once i put it in right. the game vest she didn't want to she wanted to be by me i'm like uh uh-uh, go go hunt
1: she goes, no, there's, a, <laughs>
2: there's a rabbit in there i can smell yeah, that rabbit. Right.
1: yeah when, when i this, don't know if
3: you know this... buddy but it's right there
2: <laughs> i didn't know we were hunting rabbits when this start <laughs> so yeah. how did you get how did you get started hunting
3: yeah um i mean probably uh, a pretty common story amongst the wisconsin kids my uh my uncle hunted. I took hunter safety at 12, uh, 12 or thirteen, I think. I don't, I don't recall exactly, but um, and then started going out with him on public land when it was shotgun only back then. Uh, there's oh, Raleigh right there. There, there he is.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, didn't have much success uh, right away, and I, you know it. I would never talk disparagingly about family, but I don't really hunt with my, my uncle anymore. And there's you no know, reasons for that. He was a kind of a goofy guy who had things um, in his head a certain way. So I learned uh, not bad habits, but sort of not great hunting techniques right away. And it wasn't successful sure. for a long, long time. I mean, um, you know, I, I would have been into well into high school when I started you know had a friend group that that got out often and uh we hunted around richland center and that's when i finally started to have some success uh success with a gun at first and then switched over to bow hunting um never birds or anything it was always just uh just deer right away sure and eventually right before i went to college uh I sort of referenced it before I got in a situation where I, it, my uncle didn't ask me to do something illegal, but it was certainly on the edge of what in good taste would be. Sure. And uh, that's sort of turned me off for a while. And uh, I kind of stopped hunting uh at that time and uh didn't hunt through college it hard to find time in college as well but i kind of had a bad taste in my mouth and then didn't return to it till i was um a fair amount older uh it was you know i always got that feeling around opening day in november even though i wasn't going out i'm like oh man you know
1: seeing people drive
3: home
2: right you miss the excitement the anticipation of that morning i get it
3: yeah yeah and and being out with them you know it, it You know, again, I not to talk disparagingly of him, but it's just, you know, the deer camp experience was was great, you know, loved it and missed it a lot. Um, And I think that's kind of what started to ease me back into it, knowing that I was old enough to, you know, head out on my own at that time or feeling more comfortable with it anyway. And, um, you know, just missing that camaraderie. So that's kind of what started to ease me back in um, at that point
2: sure so do you still yeah. have a, so, so did you put together a new deer camp then
3: have i put one together
2: yeah so are you still doing mm-hmm. the deer camp the whole deer camp experience and
3: yeah yeah i mean bow hunting's kind of um on my own i don't i still don't have a ton of friends that bow hunt a couple um but you know schedules are a lot more difficult now in middle 30s range right. day, age range with uh, with kids and jobs so only the, I have a few hardcore guys that actually, you know, take off time around the rut, but I don't, I'm not really heard of bow hunting deer camp. There isn't one, right? Like Not, I'm not that, not not that
2: I, I bet there's a handful of hardcore guys out there that around the rut every year, like for Halloween or something, maybe take off four or five days and they have a cab. And I'm sure someone out there does it, but I've never had like a yearly bow hunting camp or anything. It's always been a gun. It's always been for gun deer
3: yeah 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 that's the tradition so yeah no now now for gun deer yeah we have a a few guys we hunt uh just south of door county now okay um, some land up there so outside the madison area and away from a lot of crowds which is which is nice and we're usually pretty successful and the deer numbers up there are nuts i mean i think we get I don't know what it is all over the state, but we get five doe tags with a buck tag. That's per buck wow. tag. So that's five doe tags with a bow with a buck. And then so possibility of, you know, 12 deer.
2: That's <laughs> I mean, a, one, that's a lot. Yeah, I, it's a lot. I think for the county I hunt, you get one automatically, I believe. But I think you can buy pretty much as many as
0: you want.
3: Right, right. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, deer numbers are just huge up there, and you can tell now. I mean, the forests are way over browsed. You can actually see a browse line. You know, like on the trees on field edges, a straight line. It's wild. Um, sure. So they're they're trying to get rid of them, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know anybody that shoots more than one or two so wow. i don't know how effective that is giving five tags away but, but yeah yeah we built a a new deer camp with a bunch of guys that i really like and you know feel comfortable going out in the woods with a gun <laughs> and being sure. around them but but yeah it's not it's not you know doing drives and and acting goofy like it was when i grew up down where i live now south of Madison. Um, you know again i'm not sure what it is now i haven't hunted down here with a bunch of guys in a bit but when i was a kid it was just sit for a while opening day and then you know drive every piece of land until you get one pretty much
2: sure sure i mean up north we did deer camp up north for years and they used to do a lot of drives and you could watch like slowly like that mindset kind of change and i don't know if it was a changing of the guard where our generation is more like sit and stay if it was an Mm -hmm. older generation that was like let's get everyone together and go drive drive the woods so i don't know if that has to do with it or if it's i I don't know but you can definitely i agree you can definitely see like that's changed
3: yeah yeah i i hardly hear about it at all i mean You know, there's always the desperation drives in the last couple days of someone's got to get something and let's go knock around the woods. But not as like a a stated plan, you know, we're going out Sunday morning of opening weekend or anything like it. Like it used to be, again, like banging pots and pans. I remember when I was a kid and all kinds of goofy stuff where (laughs) where now you're like, geez, you know, the deer know you're in the woods, man. You don't got to be right even in smack and stuff to to get their attention they're aware <laughs> i
2: mean about i mean about as complicated as the drives have been for me in the past couple of years uh i've set a friend up on a good stand and i've walked a creek bottom towards them from a half mile or a mile away as a slow spot and stalk type deal but i mean i wouldn't even call that a drive if anything i right. am just letting deer wind set me so like they like are, like try to wind scent bump them is more what my plan is there rather than them having to take a shot at a running deer, let that deer kind of just win me and me moving at such a slow pace. It's not feeling threatened enough where it's got to run, but it's, it's threatened enough where it's, it's got to kind of move.
3: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a pretty sane way to go about it. I hope that's what most people are doing now. I, our incidents of hunter hunters being shot seems like it's been pretty low recently. So I imagine that's got a, a something to do. Do with it, because again, I remember being a kid and uh, getting a face full of snow because I had to. <laughs> sure. I felt scared about whomever was a part yeah. of the drive. So, so, again, glad those days are uh, are waning, if not over
2: altogether. Right. It's it's and then if and then where you're hunting not to have that experience as well, where you have to worry about a crew of twenty guys walking in and start driving the woods where they don't know where anyone is either. I mean, that was always my concern back then, like on public land, where if you get set up and, I mean, drives are completely legal. I I don't have anything against them from an ethical standpoint or anything like that. But when you're in a tree early and all of a sudden you have 30 guys walking up towards you, it's like, man, I hope they all saw me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right,
3: <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, you wear, yeah, I don't know if too many guys that wear the full orange jumpsuit anymore, but in that situation, yeah. Yeah, you think about putting it on. That's for sure.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. I I wear a full orange jacket if I'm. There's no orange vest for fifty percent if I'm on public land. I mean, I I wear quite a bit of orange. I'm I'm over safety conscious on that one for sure.
3: Yeah, and it's not like, I mean, there's plenty of science out there now that orange is not a real bright (laughs) color in the woods for deer. So, yeah, who cares? (laughs) Right. Wear the big orange jacket, man. <laughs> so,
2: what led what led you into the birds then?
3: Uh, so, geez, that's a pretty good question. I mean, at, seeing pheasants on the road because with the DNR releasing them always got me pretty excited. Um, but I think what really started it is I a friend of mine had a uh, a share in duck land, I guess you'd say. It was like a duck club down, um, on Lake Koshkodan. Okay. And, um, so he was always getting out after it and he'd let me come along, uh, sometimes cause like you could invite one guest and that was always pretty exciting for me. Um, and his dog was pretty good, but it wasn't awesome. And I was like, man, this, this is pretty cool. Like getting out in the marsh and you got your dog by your side and, and getting after it. And, uh, that's what started the birds. So I got a, a Chesapeake Bay Retriever at that time. Okay. Um, uh, the people that I got her from were out on the Mississippi. They did both duck and uh, pheasant hunting. So, not that it matters too much because they just got to follow their nose. But they, you know, wanted to make it real clear that she was from a strong pheasant line as well. <laughs> I don't sure. know that it mattered, but but she was an amazing dog. I mean it. it uh, you know, we, we, lost very few birds over the course of, um, our time together. And, uh, yeah, we get out after it all the time. Again, we never really left the state and, uh, you know, Wisconsin birds for the most part are the, the put and take DNR ones. Right. Um, but you know, dog guys always say that dogs don't know any different. Right. So we, <laughs> but yeah, we, just... we, uh, she did great and go ahead.
2: I was gonna say this is true the dog doesn't know we know but the dog doesn't. yeah
3: yeah yeah right <laughs> But yeah she's a smart dog um, you could tell she was figuring it out or again that's anthropomorphizing I guess putting my thoughts on to her but but there were times when I thought I knew what was best and she definitely did and um, other times when she would look for me uh, look to me for a direction and I didn't really have anything to offer her and uh, She's like, okay, I got this. Again, putting my emotions on her, but but she's yes. a she's a smart smart dog. So that's what that's what got me back into it. We did everything. Um, got after uh, grouse and and woodcock. She never had a problem retrieving woodcock, which is an old wives' tale. Maybe that I always heard that my dogs don't want to pick up a woodcock. I mean, I haven't had that experience yet. Have you heard?
2: I've heard you of that, into that or no, I, I, I hunt woodcock a lot. That's actually probably my, yeah. just short of grouse. That is my favorite bird to hunt hands down. Um, just cause it's a wild bird that we can hunt locally in the Southern part of the state when the migration's coming through for a pointing dog, it's amazing. Cause they hold just so darn tight. You get some really cool photos cause they hold that tight. Um, but my lab retrieved them. Um, I'm actually getting one mounted. That was a perfect point, steady to the shot and retrieve last year with my grip, which is the first time and the only time that's ever happened. So <laughs> I'm like this, and it's a nice big mature bird. I'm like, oh, this one's going on the wall, like for sure. Right. Like most people probably wouldn't mount a woodcock, but I'm like, this one's special. Like this is the first like true like solid point, steady to the shot, perfect, like almost a perfect retrieve. I'm like, yeah, like this this bird's special for us, and. Yeah, I've, I've heard that talked about numerous times from other guys. Like, my dog won't pick up a woodcock, or my dog retrieves one a year, and then after that it remembers what it tastes like, and it won't. And like I've never, I've, I've never experienced that.
0: No,
3: no. And the dog knows what he's picking up long oh, yeah. before he gets to it. I mean, what a goofy thing to say. Yeah, I've, I've never really had a – I've never, like, viewed it – Occurring and I, I was just not sure if uh, you thought it was guys that just didn't have you know The dog wasn't great at retrieving or if it really was a, a woodcock thing Yeah, uh, I have never had a problem either.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know I'm sure sh- there's an exception to everything So I'm sure there are dogs out. There's had to have been enough dogs out there that at one point where it became this Myth or legend or maybe it is a factual thing and we've just been lucky. I mean right. That is one thing I will say where are Uh, My grip does lack is a lot on the retrieve sometimes like sometimes she just doesn't want to pick up feathers Like she's got an awesome retrieve dive with a bumper or a tennis Mm -hmm. ball But sometimes she just doesn't want to pick up those feathers and it's been something we've been working on but again I started at six and a half years old with her. So I missed a lot of those very important years to try to get that worked out
3: Yeah, yeah Yeah, and I'm glad you mounted the woodcock. I mean uh, I I you know, I put the the, yep. the deer in here for reference that I actually do hunt, but <laughs> it's, but uh, I, you know, it's, it's your house and they're your memories. You know, I, I think a lot of times, unfortunately, people, uh, people come into your house or seen in pictures may think that you're showing off, but there's a lot more to it when you, you know, you look at a mount. you remember that whole thing, you know, every, every moment of that, I'm, I'm sure is just pops into your mind every time you even glance over at the bird and, you know, it's, it's, it's for you. And, and that's, that's cool. You can put things in your house for you, you know?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. I
2: I think about that bird and I remember exactly what trail we were on exact, exact, not even what trail, but exactly where on the trail we were. I remember what the cover looked like. I remember how the bird held. I remember that I actually hit the darn thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah you're right. i mean that's and like i've got the deer behind me right there and i, I remember everything about that hunt i remember it being seven minutes into opening morning and watching it come down the trail and thinking there's no way like this is going to bolt or something's going to go wrong because like this is just too easy
3: yeah 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 and yeah every, everybody should feel Comfortable uh, putting that kind of stuff in their house, you know. You put up pictures about things that make you feel a certain way, you know. People have, you know, knickknacks or whatever kind of reminders we need as humans to recall good times or important times. So it it it's nothing else. I mean, some people may think it's a little macabre, and I suppose it it could be to uh, certain eyes. But again. You know, it's not really for them, right? So, right. I'm glad you did it.
2: Uh, I, I can't <laughs> wait. To, I'm excited to get it back because it'll be showcased behind me in the show. So, I am excited to get it back. Um, I, wouldn't say it's a regret, but I do wish I would have mounted one of the birds. I did get a really nice grouse with my lab, and he's since passed away. So it's like I've been really. I mean, I in that cup back there, I have all the first. I've have, I have feathers. I've got two cups back there. or actually whiskey bottles, and in them are feathers and it's his first retrieve. I kept feathers from I have his first duck, his first grouse, his first woodcock, his first pheasant. I've done the same for Pippa. So I do have a little memorial for both of them, but I kind of wish I would have got, a, got one bird mounted that he retrieved and was a part of just for that little bit extra of like, this is my lab. Like he was the one yeah. that drove me to upland hunting because he was a good duck dog, but he was high strong. Didn't, I mean, he was steady, but he wasn't that steady. I'll admit it. And he just wanted to run, and I was up north with a friend, he's like, let's try grouse. I'm like, okay, and he just excelled, and he just ran those big woods so hard, and it was it was always great when we'd run him because I always knew with 100% certainty if there was a bird in that cover we were hunting, he would have found it. Like, if we walked away and there wasn't a bird flushed, I had no doubts in my mind that we were just in the wrong spot. Like, there was no... Ah, maybe the dog didn't find it. I didn't try. No, with him, I knew if there was a bird there, he was going to find it. Now, would he get super excited and run out of range sometimes and not give me a shot? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: But, but he—he's really the reason that I really started to pursue upland and why I enjoy it so much.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I—I I feel exactly the same. I—I I did get, um, Flo was her name. I did get her first pheasant and and first duck mounted not her uh, her first grouse but but yeah no i think about all that every time um and so and and so many more not just those first birds but all the birds after it and yeah she she was great on pheasant she was not an awesome grouse dog because she was like a a bulldozer and i felt like <laughs> i was doing a lot of talking to her when we were out in the Northwoods. so i i would hear them I'd hear a lot of them go, but I, sure. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't often see them. And, and yeah, uh, same, she'd get out ahead. Um, oh, yeah. She's excited. And mm-hmm. you can always tell a guy who has a retriever when you're, when you're pheasant hunting, cause that guy's running. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> there was plenty of times in the, there was plenty of times in the grouse woods and I could tell when he gets super birdie cause his tail would go perfectly horizontal wake back and like a helicopter, like it was perfectly straight back. Only like, oh, he's birdie. Then he'd start to like really get birdie. I'm like, okay, I got to hustle. And I would go, I would move from spot to spot to spot as fast as I could where I'd have a shooting opportunity and be like, okay, here's a little clearing. Here's a little clearing. Here's a little clearing. <laughs> just keeping up with them. And the buddy I hunted with has an English setter um, with, and they worked great together, but he'd just be laughing at me, watching me basically chase my dog <laughs> through the woods at sometimes, <laughs> but, it, but it was fun. I mean, I love hunting over a pointer. But I kind of, I mean, there is a different excitement over a Flushing Dog. It, it, it is different. I mean, they're both exciting, but they're both exciting in different ways.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, like I said, Raleigh's still pretty young, and I'm remembering all the amazing times with uh, with Flo. And r- right now he doesn't have a ton of amazing points under his belt. So, sure. so we were talking about it the other day. You know, my fiancé is like, do you think you'd – get a pointer again i'm like we're it's early on i don't know if he is a great pointer or not like he's got a lot of you got a lot left in him so right yeah i, I you know I, I know a lot of the guys will get a breed and stick to it um but i really like his personality uh and like i said earlier he, he's got a lot of try and uh that's really all you need i think the rest will come it just i think he's going to be a puppy a little longer than than what I was expecting, which is fine. Sure, I just you gotta, you just got to you get gotta your enjoy head that. there.
2: Mm-hmm. You you got to enjoy those puppy stages, but but I get it. I mean, you're like a two year old dog. Ah, where would a sandal thing come from? Right,
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I'm sure when I when I go back in the house, I'll be reminded that uh, that Flo never chewed up any sandals. Right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's another thing too, because when I really think back and like there was a couple of hunts for like my lab, I'm like, yeah, like, what are you doing? Like, like this, but I mean, those all kind of fade away and you remember like all the highlights, but then when you're like constantly working with a current dog, it's like you compare it to all the, I, I find myself doing this and I, maybe you do sometimes, but I compare her to like all of his highlight reel. Cause I had forgotten about all the bad. now.
3: Oh yeah. And that's, oh, exactly. and that's just,
2: that's just not a fair
1: comparison. <laughs>
3: No, no, no. Yeah. You got all these, you know, hero shots in your brain of lining up the birds in front of your dog. And then, you know, I'm watching this goofball do something stupid. And I'm like, Oh my God, what am I (laughs) doing? But yeah, no, it's not, it's not fair to him at all. And uh, yeah, I think that's half of being a decent dog person is being able to get your head out of that, that space that sort of, narrows the dog and tries to push it into something it's not you know they they have personalities they have you know things that are good about them things that are not so great habits and uh you just got to work with it and that's the cool thing you know it's a i think that's what really makes it a partnership you know you know what your dog's good at and you know what he's not good at you know and that's that's the way you are with your friends or your significant other you know you know their you know their great qualities you know they're not so great qualities, but but you love them and you spend every day with them anyway. And uh, I think it's a that's a pretty cool feeling.
2: Agreed. And and you're right with and you're exactly right because like case in point with Bandit, he wasn't a great duck dog, and that's why we focused more on upland. I, I I played to his strengths rather than his weaknesses as well. And I always caught myself having this unrealistic expectation of what I should expect from my dog because you see. You see dogs in videos of that, that are professionally trained, but guys that have trained hundreds and hundreds of dogs. And I'm nowhere near at a level like that. I'm nowhere close. And it's yeah. like, oh, my dog should be doing that. Well, how? Like, you don't have the skill set to teach it. Like, and that's one right. thing I came to realize as too, it's like the expectations I'm putting on this dog, like it's just not fair to him because I can't explain and teach properly what I'm even expecting him to know how to do. Like, that's not fair.
3: Right yeah yeah someone explained it to me with the you know watching hunting shows and your dog it's kind of like guys who will watch an episode of this old house and they're like wow i can put a toilet in in like 20 minutes you know (laughs) right (laughs) and then go to home
2: depot um yeah we were talking about how you kind of compare dog training to someone watching an episode of this old house where Someone can like just watch a quick 20 minute episode and say, Hey, I know how to do this.
3: Right. Right. Yeah. That's what a buddy of mine told me one time. And I was like, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You know, you can't go in the field and expect your dog all of a sudden to know something brand new. He doesn't understand English, doesn't get stuff you haven't practiced already. Um, you know, I, and I think there it's just easy to get into the, the mindset or, uh, that mentality that you're gonna go out there and be a pro at it. And in fact, you're gonna go out there and probably stink at it for quite a while. But that's that's just part of it.
2: I would agree. And I think another thing that people don't see a lot or don't, I mean, they see it, but they don't because it's, it's all edited. I mean, these hunting shows can be hours of footage broken down to 20 minutes and you don't, and they edit out the scenes where the dog breaks early. They edit out the scenes where the dog might not have found that bird. I mean, those are all things that happen happen during a hunt. But when you're filming for a show or, like, a podcast or anything, I mean, you're getting an edited version. And you really just – it's like Instagram. You only see the highlights. You don't, I mean, it, it's not nearly as real life as what it looks like because I don't post pictures on Instagram of my dog failing. I only post <laughs> right. when she succeeds. So I think, I think that all leads to that mentality at least it did for me. And I needed to step back and figure that out that I'm not a trainer at that level. I, I can't, I mean, those shows give me an unrealistic expectation because you only see the good, you never see the bad. And I think all that is a conversation that every trainer probably has to have with themselves where I only can teach what I know how to teach. Right. I mean, I can reach out to help. I mean, NABD is great. NABD is great. Um, like the hunting and retrieving clubs are great and they're amazing resources, but you have to reach out for those resources.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not getting help unless you ask for it. And the dog's not getting any better unless you practice. That's that's <laughs> that's reality. You wish it wasn't. Sometimes you wish he would, uh, through osmosis, get it. But right. Nope, that's not how it yeah. goes. <laughs>
2: yeah, I've, I've yet to see that occur. Um <laughs> <laughs> i mean some dogs are easier than others right i mean i mean all i've ever asked for my dogs is just to have a strong drive i mean if you have a strong drive I, I i feel like with that you and i can be good i mean i don't need perfect i'm not perfect right i mean i mean if i expect perfection out of my dog i better hit every single shot i take
3: right right yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly and you and won't, I
2: know I don't. And you won't.
3: yeah no I I used to I used to trap shoot pretty regularly and I still mess it up all the time and I stunk at sporting clays so that that has to say something
2: (laughs) I never I've only shot a couple of rounds of trap in my life I did shoot league for a couple of seasons on sporting clays which I thoroughly enjoyed I, I I wish I still lived back on that side of the state and had friends to do it with and I probably could look around here, it's just, you know, life gets busy and it's hard to set, away, set aside a weeknight or, or a weekend day um, to go out and do it. I mean, it, it it life just gets busy. I mean, dog training. If I'm gonna choose between brushing up on my shooting skills or trying to get the dog better, I'm gonna choose training my dog every single time.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And trap shooting, when I was in the league, it was, it was almost like bowling in that like the the season seemed super long and then you know near the end you're always trying to find i feel like we're always trying to find substitutes for our team because guys would go on vacation in the summer and it just turned into a big dumb thing and yeah agreed had i spent that time with the dog i I think we would have got better
2: (laughs) right and that i mean i do miss shooting though like Maybe not this year, because then I don't have to worry about finding shotgun shells. Like, <laughs> but but I mean, it, it was nice to get out once a week with the gun, and it just gave me more confidence. So, and I know I hit more birds, and I was shooting more regularly. That I know for sure.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we had we had a lot in the freezer those years, um, for sure. Yeah, although, yeah, I was pretty sure I was going to hit it if it was like going away or going. <laughs> Wait, right or left? But uh, <laughs> yeah, sporting clay is obviously a lot more realistic.
2: It is um, that, and especially if you like, I always, tr- I always shot it with my gun low. Um, I never shot it. Pr- I, I tried not to shoot it pre shoulder ever. I just wanted to make that for me, it was more about getting comfortable with a consistent gun mount and getting the repetition in and focusing on leads like that type of thing where I wanted to try to make it as realistic as possible.
3: Yeah, yeah. When I when shooting trap league, um, we always called them like robot guns. The guys who'd have the the super raised comb and the, you know, the way adjusted cheek piece, and it's it just a gun you would never take anywhere else. And I had my, you know, crummy, almost completely made out of plastic pump gun that I was shooting.
2: <laughs>
1: sure, but,
3: but that's what I was taking in the field, so that there was no reason to to do anything else.
2: And that's exactly what I did as well. I always use my duck gun. That's what I use for sporting clays. Um, I mean, it's, it doesn't have bad recoil. It's not a bad gun at all. I really enjoy it. Um, but I wanted to shoot with the gun that I was actually going to shoot within the field. I mean, I wanted that consistent mount. Um, the only thing I'd probably change now is if I'd go shoot a the clays or something, I'd probably wear my upland vest. I'd probably have it even more realistic in that rather than wearing like a a waste pack for my shells. I'd probably just wear my upland vest now just for that working on a consistent gun mount, even though the strap for my vest is thin. But for me with sporting clays and that we're just, we're just going to roll on and see if he doesn't clean up here real quick. I mean, I, I just wanted it to be consistent, uh, a consistent hunting ex- like experience for me. So just to have that true practice of what exactly it would be like in the field. So I, I would wear clothing that was somewhat thicker i wouldn't wear my vest as much as i would would have liked to i always wore like a hip pack or something like that just for the ease of it but now looking back and if i was going to go start shooting more i would definitely start wearing my actual upland hunting vest have it maybe even just even maybe my whole hunting loadout just to have that consistent feeling of exactly what it's like to be in the field because With especially upland hunting, when you're talking pheasants and even more specifically woodcock and grouse, it is such instinctive shooting when you go to mount the gun. You don't have those ultra long times like to get that gun shouldered perfectly if you don't have a consistent gun mount or to sometimes even pick like the perfect shot. I can't count how many trees, pine trees, oak trees, aspens that have sacrificed their lives to protect that grouse that's flying. 20 yards away 40 40 miles an hour because those things are just little rocket ships when they cruise through those trees i mean if you haven't had the chance to hunt grouse it's absolutely amazing just to watch how those birds can navigate through the woods they lift off and they and, and they're not like they're not like woodcock I and mean, when grouse lift off they stay kind of low a lot of times and they'll gain altitude and speed at the same time and the way they can twist and turn through those trees and how fast and nimble they are it, i mean it, it really is a spectacular sight and i think that makes it even more special when you when you hit one because i'll be honest i have not shot a lot of grouse in my life and that is all on me because i have thrown a lot of a lot of lead and steel down range at them and just clean mist whereas like woodcock when they take off, they fly straight. Normally I always, they have the tendency to fly straight up in the air and they have this hinge point and it, and they hold really tight too. So when you're working with a pointing dog you can kind of get ready and you can kind of give yourself a better opportunity to actually hit the woodcock because you can come in from the right angle where it gives you the shooting opportunity that you want. And then when they when they take off, they tend to fly straight up and they get up I don't know, 15, 20 feet in the air. And then they kind of, and that's when they hinge, and then they fly away from you. So you have this moment in time where if you can pick it out, that woodcock is almost a stationary target. And it's at a really ideal range, if sometimes even too close, but it's at a really good range to take that shot and have an effective shot And if you have a good consistent mount with your shotgun, so if you work on that shotgun mount, so when you bring it up to your, you've got your cheek down and you got your shotgun just tight into your shoulder, it's just an easier shooting opportunity. And maybe that's why I enjoy it more because I'm more successful and I get my dog more retrieves, but there is just something exciting about watching a grouse take off in the woods. And I mean, they thunder. Like, when they, when they take flight, they absolutely have, like, you can just tell the difference. Like, you can almost feel that wing beat in your chest. It's just that, thup, 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 thup. I mean, it, it is something. I mean, if you're an upland hunter and you haven't had the chance to hunt grouse yet, it is absolutely worth the trip. It's no different than last week when we were talking with Upland in Arizona and they were talking about, like, the excitement of having, having a covey of quail launch. I mean, I... I that is on my bucket list because I've never experienced that where you have birds just flying in all different directions that were just holding tight. So that's got to be up there as well. It it's just exciting when it all works out. Behind a flunching dog, like you know, when they're getting birdie and, and you're getting that anticipation, and you get that same anticipation, at least I do, behind a pointing dog, even though you had know there's a bird and right where it is now. There's still that anticipation and that excitement of when is this bird going to flush. And as I mentioned before, woodcock hold nice and tight for a dog. Whereas like, on the higher pressure grouse woods, like your dog, it takes a while for them to really key in and how much pressure they can put on those birds. Those birds get spooky is the only way to describe it, where they'll start flushing 20 30 40 yards out i've seen from the dog where the dog's already slowing down like to like pick up where the point's going to be and it just they just get that spookiness i want to let you know how you can find trevor um he is on instagram his handle is all manner of critters he's got a great page check it out i mean he's got there's some things that we all wanted to touch on that i didn't He's got all these amazing photos of how he cooks his game. And that is something I did want to touch base with him on, because like, it just looks phenomenal. And it it just makes me hungry looking at it. So um, if we keep this episode, I will absolutely get him back on so we can touch base specifically on that. If we don't, you guys will never hear this. So I guess we'll find out. Either way, we're going to end this right now. I appreciate all you listeners as always. I couldn't do this without you guys. It is great to know that you actually enjoy listening to me ramble on, and I bring on some guests and some content that you enjoy. And thanks again. And until all right, after a few technical difficulties, we're back. Uh, what after a little bit of editing, what actually was a two-week little gap here with some technical <laughs> issues with internet and scheduling and everything else is just a split second for you guys so we're going to jump right back into this the best we can um i do think that this old house is the perfect analogy though for dog training and hunting in general
3: yeah yeah um you know you can't you can't expect those immediate results that's not that's not fair to you that's not fair to the dog and you know it's not really fair to the the process either part of the the great thing about having a dog is forming that bond and A lot of that bond bond is formed through things not going perfect, right? You know, oh, absolutely. Trials and the tribulations, and you know, kind of understanding where where your dog's at teaches you a lot about yourself as well. So I wouldn't give that process up for anything. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a shame that uh, you know, also through the magic of editing. Those (laughs) what (laughs) what is an experience that you know someone going out to South Dakota and maybe hunting for two weeks is down to a half hour and you're like man why isn't my dog a champion right
2: (laughs) oh yeah or or like even like with the waterfall hunts too you get like all all you see is nothing but birds working and perfect dog retrieves and everything else and what a lot of people might not realize is that footage is shot over days sometimes and brought down to a thirty minute little clip of Here's our hunt, and it, it's not. I mean, it sets an unrealistic expectation. I think for dog handlers, dog trainers, and just even for hunters in general, that you're not doing it right when when that's just an unrealistic thing in most times.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think even when you know that, even if you know that that's what's happening, still, just having that visual, it's hard to it's hard to put that from your mind even if you logically understand what's going on, right? It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's a challenge. So yeah, it's, you know, you got to take your time with your dog. I, uh, I became a member of, um, the Wisconsin sharptail grouse society recently, and, uh, they were nice enough to let me write something to put in their newsletter. And basically it was the article was followed the exact same line. You know, I, a friend of mine was telling me about being out on some dog training grounds and just, you know, all the stuff you don't want to see guys yelling, you know, and shot shot collars going, and just screaming and dogs going all over the place. And, you know, there were people's kids were there and, you know, I'm not getting into a conversation about censorship around your kids, but providing a a decent example for them on how to behave and and treat a dog. And, you know, it's just, Man, there are just so many examples of that and in the hunting world. It's it's crummy, you know? It's crummy.
2: I agree. I mean, and you're right. Censorship isn't, but lead by example, right? I mean, right. I mean that's how I look at it. Like when I do mentorship, like when I'm trying, training my dog and everything, I try to lead by example. I try to stay calm. I try to stay cool. I try to set that realistic expectation of like, hey, things don't always go right. Take a break like the dog, I mean, it's not the dog's fault that the dog isn't understanding what you're trying to teach it. It's your fault that you're not teaching it in a way that the dog can understand it. I mean, really, because all the dog is going to do is what you have taught the dog to do. And if you're having a bad day with training, odds are it's something more along the lines with you than the dog. I mean, it's pretty rare I see my dog actually have a bad day. If I go back and look at my bad training sessions, odds are I wasn't normally in the right mental state of mind to even be training that day.
3: Right. Right. No, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It's uh it's rarely the dog and even if it was the dog, what what would that mentality gain you? Right? Like blaming right. the dog is <laughs> even if even if the dog did screw up and if truly, you know, like oh man, if it was possible just to have a crap dog, what you know, that doesn't get you anywhere other than admitting defeat, right? right. I mean, you got to <laughs> you got to work with the friends you have and you got to work with the dog you got. And, uh, you know, you can change him and behaviorally, but you know, at his core, there's some things you can't change. Uh, the dog Agreed. is your dog and he's your buddy and you just gotta, you know, the, the point of that article was there's, there's some things that we all end up living with, right? Like I, my, my previous dog to this, uh, to the pointer I have now, like she would bring back pine cones like we'd be hunting and we'd be hunting, and I think she's on a bird, oh man, and then she'd come back with a pine cone in her mouth and I'm like, i don't I don't know how this behavior ever developed, you know? And people would laugh, you know, she comes trotting back super excited, you know, <laughs>
2: look or, what I found look what I found yeah, I, could, right, I, yeah, I, yeah. I like, totally like, know that I know every every dog owner knows that behavior when the dog is just super proud, like I did everything right. here I brought this to you, and you're yeah. like, yeah, no.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're like, oh yeah. Right on. Yep, pine cone, that's right. You know, she would eat, she would eat rocks, you know. I don't know why. Uh, I think people would question her her intelligence when she would do that. And I'm like, I you know, that probably actually does have some sort of explanation. I would probably. guess about, about salt or something, but but generally, you know, there's some stuff that your dog your dog's not going to be perfect and there's some stuff you're just going to have to deal with. And the sooner you get more on a I think a mentality of figuring out how you're going to flex with your dog and you know massage them into being you know the the partner you want them to be as soon as you get in that frame mind, i think the better
2: i would agree I would agree. I mean, it's so so special to train your own dog and nothing against people that send their dogs off for training. I completely get that. It's a huge time commitment. Or if you don't feel like you have the skills to do it, I completely understand it. But when you take on the task of training your own dog, there's a bond that forms through those trials, through those errors, through the mistakes and and through all the good as well. Like you see the reward and there's just something special about that as you watch your dog mature into a a hunting dog and whether your dog is perfect or not it doesn't matter i mean really it like i I look at all the flaws that my my dogs have had and i'm like those like the the good so outweighs that little bit of bad
3: yeah yeah in the end that's not what you remember right Right. i mean you might remember that one bad time that went really bad but for the most part you don't you don't remember you don't remember that stuff and they're they're not around that long by the time they're starting to get good. They're moving toward middle age, if not, you know, starting to push the other way. And it, it's, you know, some dogs are great right out the box. I understand that, but you know, what, All the dogs I've had, they're really hitting their groove at, you know, four, five. Right. You know, I've not had a lot of dogs live past twelve. You know,
2: so I mean, right. And hunting a dog to twelve is hard too. I mean, oh
1: yeah, my yeah, lab,
2: my lab at eleven. That was, I mean, his last season at eleven. It was short hunts. I mean, he had the skills. He, he didn't have the hips anymore. He didn't have the stamina anymore. And I right. mean, it, it, he's old. I mean, you. I mean, I'm happy. I'm, I'm not happy he passed away. Obviously, right? But I'm happy I didn't have to have him sit out a season ever because he, right. he went on his own terms. And he never. I never had to make that choice that said, "Sorry, bud, you can't hunt this year." Even though I know in your mind that's the only thing you want to do,
3: right? Right, went out with his boots on.
2: Exactly how
3: any of us want to go,
2: really. Yeah, his own terms. Went out happy camping. That was good. It, in the end, it, it, I'm thankful. I'm thankful yeah. he did it that way, than me having to make a hard choice or decision. So, but he taught me a lot, like for dog training, and I definitely carried that on into into my into training Pippa and the Griff. I mean, he taught me patience, which is what you absolutely need when training a Griff.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, we were just talking about it last night. I I think I mentioned um, during our, well, not our previous conversation, during this conversation (laughs) uh, just a little bit ago that the dog was um, getting after some shoes, right? Right. And, uh, yeah, we were talking about it, and we're like, man, he just gets in these cycles where it's it's not neurosis as we would define it as humans, but it is a hyper selective attention to one thing that isn't always what you want it to be and i don't know if that's within the breed or if that's just him generally but it certainly does require a large amount of patience
2: (laughs) sure so how many more shoes have you lost though (laughs)
3: um (laughs) yeah right (laughs) in the in the few seconds that have passed right so uh another another pair of flip-flops the start of uh the back end of a pair of sneakers that are still wearable and then this morning he uh maybe dog he got a little excited and um uh, got quite a bit of an uh, envelope with a thank you card for our daughter's um uh, 4k teacher so <laughs> oh.
2: so it's, it's it's slightly going downhill Yeah,
3: yeah, it's not gotten better. (laughs) No,
2: Uh, are we gonna call this the terrible twos or is this like the teenage years? Where where
1: we at? Yeah,
2: (laughs) terrible
3: twos. Yeah, he's not quite two, but yeah, I think we can go with uh, that. We're we're gonna start, like, um, you know, just maybe distracting him a little more with some kind of toy or or something when we (laughs) leave the house. Um, just to kind of again try to break this cycle because he he does he gets in these cycles of things where it's a repetitive behavior and it you know it's putting human emotions on the dog but you almost feel like you can't stop it sometimes you know it happens at the same time with the same impetus every time where it almost starts to seem involuntary so we just have to figure out a way to to break that cycle i thought we had um clearly not
2: (laughs) (laughs) back to the drawing board but yeah yeah. there's gotta be there's with patience, right? You'll figure it out. I mean, you'll find yeah. the key to what's causing it. And then you'll get that attention be that attention to redirected to a different toy or a bone or something where yeah. instead of maybe it's anxiety. I'm um, I was just talking to an I was talking to another guy and his griff has separation anxiety. And there's times where my shows it as well. And he's heard of other griff owners having that. So maybe it's some separation anxiety, especially if it's happening when you're gone.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's what we were thinking. You know, I, I previously worked uh, from home uh, for like a year and a half. And then, of course, uh, COVID occurred. And we were all, most of us anyway, were at home during that time. And now uh, I've gone back to work actually at a place. And my fiance has started exercising more. So she'll leave the house. And we started thinking about it. We're like, yeah, he not re- he's not really wasn't alone up to this point really at all so right. I, I think um it's something new for him i think separation anxiety is not a not an unreasonable explanation
2: well with uh, with anything right i mean look some training some distraction i mean separation anxiety can be tough but but there's ways to work through it yeah I mean, yeah
3: yeah no i i have confidence we'll get there it's a, uh, yeah it's just um <laughs> Putting him in a position to succeed until that occurs.
2: <laughs> that, and I mean, we're getting to that time of year where I mean, we're what? We're a month almost, a little more than right. a month away from the opening of grouse.
1: Right, right. I mean,
2: it's getting to that point where it's going to be even pushing harder at running the dogs, getting energy levels up, and that right. should, that might also help refocus that a little bit too, because it's getting to be that time of year.
3: Yeah, and, yeah, I know it, it's. It's hard to imagine here. You can see the sun is starting to come down on the porch here, and it, it feels like it's ninety now. But yeah, we're we're close. <laughs> it's not far away.
2: I'm ex- I'm excited. I'm 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 real excited for this season. Um, I'm excited to do some duck hunting. I'm excited to get. I'm definitely excited to get back into the North Woods. Uh, I've got a whole. I got quite a few trips planned. A couple of got my big grouse camp. I might do another grouse weekend with some other folks I met. Um, And then I I think I'm going to do quite a bit of day trips, especially because my wife's going to be traveling. So it's going to be just the dog and myself. So it's going to be like, might as well go somewhere for the day. Got nothing else to do. Yeah. Is
3: that your own grouse camp or is that the certified rough grouse grouse camp?
2: This is our own grouse camp. This will be the 12th season now. Oh, okay.
3: Very well established then. Yeah
2: just me and another guy is what it's always been. Um, his parents had a little cabin they rented up North in the, in the St. Germain area. And we started Mm -hmm. as a duck camp and we decided to go because the weather was real bad that, I mean, it was second weekend of October and we were battling blizzard conditions (laughs) because I've seen everything from nineties up there in these 12 years to blizzard conditions. Like it's crazy. Um, it's, and it's actually kind of interesting because when you think back, especially about all the times we've done it the second weekend of October, mm-hmm. I've seen all these different temperature changes over that same time period. Like all the different, like from one extreme to another, to like just nice middle of the road. It's like, man, Wisconsin's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like the weather is really crazy in Wisconsin.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I duck hunted more often, um, you know, I had a actually had like a lease on a duck hunting club sort of situation. And yeah um yeah i remember being out there in shirt sleeves and getting eaten with mosquitoes and then i remember getting pelted with you know ice chunks uh mm-hmm. yeah no i i, I hear you and that's down here you know closer to closer right to madison so yeah up north i imagine it's incredibly it, much higher variability
2: but i love the north woods i mean i strive to get up there as much as i possibly can in fall i just Really enjoy that entire area of Vilas County, Price County, Oneida County, all that that entire area up there. And my plan this year is to do more exploring as well. I've branched out farther. I mean, I've done quite a bit in Vilas and Oneida the past couple of years. We've actually moved it over to Price County area, and I've been exploring a lot of that area. There's a couple other areas I want to get day tripping that'll be still above that the north line, right? But right closer to a day trip where yeah, I might be in the car for. Two and a half hours but you get a good four hour run in and if you start exploring new areas and finding more birds it absolutely makes five hours worth of driving or like yeah i mean because i'd much rather be up north chasing grouse than down here chasing ducks personally
3: yeah yeah or or pheasants from the truck yeah Just, as fun <laughs> as that is it's it is more fun to be
2: up north yeah always i agree um Pheasants from a truck is a great way to introduce someone that's new, but I would rather be chasing the birds in the north woods and not getting lost in the woods, but getting lost per- like mentally in the woods type- right. is a better way to look at it. Where just me and the dog, and the only thing I have to worry about dodging is skunks and porcupines.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I used to um, we used to have a friend who had a place, and we would be in the. It's a north high North American Legion yep. Highland uh, forest. forest there. Yeah. So yeah, North of Managua and then just turn onto the logging road. Um, once you're out of town there on 70 or something, but sure. yeah, yeah. We, we hunted that, uh, those back roads a lot. Um, getting out of the truck and, you know, just taking long walks. It's great. Like you, like you're talking, you don't, uh, you get, you don't have to get far off the road to start feeling like you, you know, certainly, it's very uh, possible to get lost,
2: <laughs> <It> is. <laughs> which is it an is. awesome feeling. It is, but like, if you really sit down and look at a map, and if you look at how, like, I've actually had we've had this conversations numerous times when we're stumbling around the woods, and we're like, yeah, we both carry compasses because really, if you can walk in a straight line, right, you're never going to be lost enough to like either hit the river, like you just like as long as you've looked at a map beforehand. You're either gonna hit a logging road, you're gonna hit a main road, or you're gonna hit right. a river. I mean, there as long as you don't walk in circles, there's really no reason you should right. get lost. Even if your phone dies and your GPS dies and you have no electronics. Like whenever I set out, I set out in a certain direction. And then I always kind of I keep an like I always keep a mental thoughts like which way I'm walking, how the trains change and stuff like that. So if I ever had to get back, and I'll be honest, I've gotten turned around before where I'm like this isn't the way I came to like trying to make like a loop and cut back to my, tr- I'm like, all right, I just, we're going to, we're going to break trail like really break trail. Cause I don't want to walk yeah. through this, but I know if I keep heading South, my truck is South, the road I right. came in ran East and West. I'm North of that road. I know if I just keep walking South, eventually I'm going to hit it. And yeah. one time that that did happen, it, I wasn't even as far from the road as I thought I was.
3: Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard, um, uh, was some you know kind of Wisconsin humorist? He's talking about um, Bon Iver's album. How he, the guy said he was deep in the Northwoods when he wrote it, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, deep in the Northwoods, nine miles from the nearest Quick Trip." Right, and uh, exactly. <laughs> that, that's, that's pretty much uh, that's that's kind of the situation in the Wisconsin. You're you're I, never you're never far.
2: <laughs> I, I agree, a hundred percent. Like you're never. As long as you can walk a straight line, you're really never that far. Now, if you don't bring like just a simple compass with you, which I have pinned to my vest, I never go anywhere without it. You could get yourself turned around. And if you're not, and if you can't like walk with the sun or find some sort of reference point to keep walking straight, I could see you walking in circles out there to the point where you would start to get desperate.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
3: you you get that weird feeling and the sun start going down and <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. No, I, I can imagine it happening for sure
2: and then you get some wolves howling up there and then you really start, <laughs> and then you really got the hair standing up on the back <laughs> of your neck and then you're like man it's a dog and I gonna be sleeping out here with the woods yeah, tonight yeah. like we better make some moves here yeah right, right 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 <laughs> <laughs> I've never been there and I don't think I will be
3: no you know? no yeah i'm I, I don't i'm I'm pretty not overconfident in myself, but confident enough where I, I'm pretty sure I can get out of most most situations.
2: I mean, as long as you've looked at a map, like we're talking, like you're never that far off a logging road. So even yeah. if you hit the logging road, worst case scenario is you start walking the wrong way down it, and you're, you're going to run into something you recognize because you probably drove that way, right? You've right. driven up and down this road before. So it's like, oh man, my truck's the other way. I just wasted a bunch of time. Right. But I know but, where I'm going at least. But now
1: I know where I am. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You got yeah, to, go ahead. I was, I, I was going to say you got any big plans? You got any trips planned to get up north or All right.
3: So, yeah, even um so this weekend I'm I'm headed up to the I always say it wrong cuz I've not been there enough. Nama, Namakagan. People Nabacov. Nama- yeah, 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 right. Namakagan Barons Um so I, I mentioned it before the Wisconsin sharp Tail Grouse Society, they're doing a an annual meeting up there and i I recently got to know some guys there so i'm gonna go i've never been um actually to that i've been in the the northeast but i've not been to that um sure so i'm gonna take the dog along and kind of check out what that scene is um but no i you know similar you mentioned mentors earlier and um i've taken on a couple now actually even another one since we last talked um yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking, I'm trying to plan, you know, like we talked about, it might be, you know, pheasant around home just to kind of get them, give them a little bit of a flavor uh, during the week when, when it's, you know, a little, feels a little more like a hunt right. than uh, right. than on the weekend when you got everybody and, and their uncle out there. But, but yeah, I'm starting to uh, put together some trips with, um, with some mentees so i think it this season might be less me on my own making big trips and as you mentioned a lot of kind of around home and i think more showing people around than what i've done in the past so well
2: that'll be a fun experience though yeah i mean not i mean you'll also learn your local areas and and, i mean you're gonna find different pheasant areas right Which, which kind of based off the bird truck but it right. Gives you a good opportunity to start exploring different areas for woodcock down here, though.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I I've not really. Uh, we bumped into some in the spring, but I've never, you know, my flusher. It wasn't. We talked about it before. It's not like she wouldn't retrieve them. She she retrieved them fine. We just were never out for them, right? Right. So right. And and you know. So yeah, I, I've not I've not explored it too much. So yeah, with a pointer, it'll uh, it'll be interesting. Like. I think we mentioned it before but you know a a pretty cool southern wisconsin opportunity that is not tapped into very often
2: agreed the numbers of hunters are really low um there's a lot of different areas to do it actually um once you start to understand what they like for habitat and terrain and they're just such a phenomenal little bird to hunt because they hold point they just hold so well right I mean it gives like some really cool photo opportunity. Like there's been numerous times where my dog's been on point and you can see the bird in front of it and the dog's right. sitting there, like super solid like to the point where you can tell it's like shaking. Right. It's not, like you can just see it's <laughs> so intense like it's so intense it's past the point of shaking. And that bird is just sitting there looking at it like when do I fly? When do I yeah. fly? <laughs> I mean you've got I've got stories from up north like my friend's um setter she holds a great point. And Woodcock's holds so tight. And there's been times I've seen my buddy, like, throwing sticks into, like, because the dog won't leave point, and his dog's deaf, right. so it's really hard. And it's really hard for him to break, like, to say no bird or anything like that, because she can't hear him anyways. And the bird's in a spot where he can't get in there to flush it. So he's in there, like, poking around with a stick and like, trying to make noise, like, throwing sticks in there trying to get this bird to bust. It's hilarious. <laughs> that just shows you how tight they hold. And and that was always great, like, when him and I hunted and I had my lab and he had has his setter still. Um, if you had one of those, op- like, situations and he, he'd just be like, send the lab.
3: Yeah, right, right. Send that that bulldozer in there.
2: Exactly. Because I'd have him on a whistle sit and he'd just look at me after a few minutes and he'd just be like, send the lab.
3: (laughs) That's good. So, yeah, nothing specific down here, but I'm excited to get a little more into this this mentoring thing. It's not really something I had considered um, previous to this year. I've taken a few people kind of through hunter safety and help them through it but i've not committed really any time previously to um actually showing people who are brand spanking new um, sure. the whole thing so yeah yeah it'll it'll be a, it'll be an interesting new experience i'm i'm excited about it
2: it's it's all i've done it more times now than i think i'd have to really sit down and think about it, how many times i've taken brand new hunters out from my nephews to co-workers to out of college kids to even adults that have never experienced upland hunting before. And I always start it the same way. And I saw this on some old upland video and he's like, I have three rules. Don't shoot my dog. Don't shoot my dog. Don't shoot, don't shoot each other.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good rules.
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but that's where I like, that's where I like pheasant to begin with um either buying a hunt like going and buying birds for a planted hunt for guaranteed contacts or going out on public land after the pheasant truck's been out or trying to scrape up what's left after it's been bombarded by people right it's such a much more controlled environment because you're out in the open you're not trying to walk around trees or really through any type of thick brush normally um you have good sight lines of where the dog is and pheasants at least pen raised pheasants in my experience tend to fly high. They don't tend to fly as low.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The only ones I've yeah, the only ones I've ever really seen fly low that I can imagine were in real, real crummy weather, where they just sort of barely get up and then stay right on top of the grass. Otherwise, yeah. No, you're right. I wouldn't have really thought about it in terms of a, a mentee, but yeah, yeah, you're right. They get way out of line of actually hurting somebody for the most part
2: right and the nice thing is that you're using a pointer as well a pointer's far in my opinion is easier for like like the mentorship side of things if they're steady cuz then you can position them for a successful shot and you can go in there and break the bird it's not like running behind flushers where it's like 100% um like instinct shooting you can get them set up you can get them ready right you can kind of you like, like, like if you're buying birds and they're hundred percent pen raised and they just got their blinders off five minutes ago, you can kind of kick them in the, like you can when you kick them up, you can kind of kick them in the direction you even want them to fly.
1: <laughs> right. Right.
3: You're like, get ready, buddy. Here we go. <laughs> right,
2: exactly. So it's not really to me that it's not necessarily my preferred method of hunting. It, I, I really even struggle to call that hunting sometimes. Right. No, but I agree when, with you. When introducing a new hunter to it, it gives a really good, like, solid foundation before you move into the woods or you move to, like into woodcock habitat, where everything moves faster. Right. Especially for grouse, like I would not, na- I wouldn't take a brand new hunter out grouse hunting because you're not setting them up for success. A no, you could be walking. Depending on, I mean, you might be walking miles to, until you get to like good birds, or you might not even find good birds. Depend unless you take them to proven areas, which. I would say I don't normally take mentor mentees to proven areas just off the fact I've worked hard to find these areas and I don't necessarily know them well enough yet to, to take them to that area.
3: Right, right, yeah.
2: Cuz yeah. it doesn't take all it takes is one Facebook post on a on a popular page to say, "Oh, we were we, we were up it was amazing" and some guy goes, "Oh, where were you?" and he goes, "Oh, we were up here off this logging road" and then it's like, "Oh, man." Yeah. Dude, really? Like, even if I I see it two days later, how many people have already seen that before? I'm like, delete this. What are you like? No. Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah.
3: No, and that's how a lot of guys do it, I think. They, you know, I think it's less common now because people have been scolded so much about Mm -hmm. just being like, go to this weed bed and you're going to fill up on bluegills or whatever. Right. Um,
2: But yeah, no, it's a, it's a, no. It's internet scouting. fear. Internet scouting is a real thing. Um, I back on a forum a long time ago. I wrote a uh, I wrote a big article basically on it. Like I'm basically like what like the downfalls to it. Like what you're actually asking of people to give up, and like then rolled it into like how like this was I was a huge waterfall hunter. Like how to properly scout for birds. So I rolled it from like uh, this isn't how you should do it, and you're presenting yourself like not a good light and but rolled it into a, like a teaching opportunity. Right. And I wish that forum was still around because I'd love to go back and grab that and like post it to like my Facebook or something, but that, that one's long gone.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I had a the, the guy who introduced me to grouse hunting had a saying and I uh, I don't remember exactly, but it was basically like, you know, if you get out in the woods after grouse, that's a good day. If you get out in the woods and you actually see a grouse, that's a great day. And if you get out in the woods and you actually, like, get your gun to your shoulder while a grouse is near you, that's an amazing day. <laughs> and if you actually have the opportunity to shoot, even if you miss, that's, like, a fantastic day. And then if you take down a, a grouse, you know, on one of your first times out, you you have had a, a phenomenal
1: experience. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. It, it was I shot a lot of woodcock before I ever for sure shot my first grouse. I mean, hunting over the dogs and how my buddy and I hunt him and I shot at plenty of birds together, like mm-hmm. where we both had opportunities and the bird fell and we're like, I don't know, was it you? I don't know, yeah. it was it me? I don't know. Yeah, we got I don't know. it. We got it. It's <laughs> awesome. We got a bird right. Uh, but I remember the first time I shot my own bird because he was, I was coming back around a corner and stepped onto the logging road and my lab flushed one right off that road and it flew up and I dropped it and he retrieved it. And I still remember that because I I looked at my buddy, I'm like, I for sure shot this one. This one is my (laughs) first bird ever.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a grouse are an achievement. And especially now knowing a lot more about them and, and getting into the areas where you actually see grouse. Yeah. Getting your gun to your shoulders hard. I think we talked about it uh, earlier too, but oh, yeah. man, it's if you want to see the birds, I, I remember reading an article it's probably in rough grouse society magazine talking about, you know, whatever the, the self-proclaimed best grouse hunter in the United States or something old guy. And, you know, his clothes are all torn to hell and he's scratched and beat up. And, and he's like, if you get your gun, it was something like if you raise your gun on half the birds you flush you know, you're not hunting where the grouse actually are. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> basically if, yeah, if you want to go over a grouse there, um, you're going to hear a lot of, a lot of flushes that you got no chance of shooting.
2: I remember uh, that like my, po- the pointer helps, a pointer helps get you into better positions. But with my lab, it'd be like, I'd move really quickly to a shooting area. And then I move. Like, I was like hopscotching through the woods to like find a pocket, which would give me a shot opportunity where I right. think the way he's working. yeah
3: yeah (laughs)
2: yeah but that's all the fun of it I mean that's the excitement I mean I can't count how many pine trees have sit or um poplars have given their life to save a grouse for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah
3: yeah no for sure for sure
2: but that's what makes it just that much more special when you have one of those good days and you get and you have a couple birds in the bag and it adds to that entire experience of the hunt and it's like even if everything didn't work perfect, even if the dog wasn't perfect, like it was, it was just a really good hunt.
3: Yeah, yeah. You never, I at least have never felt like. A, oh, rarely do I feel like a hunt's a waste of time, but rare, it's not very often that I haven't felt that very deep, satisfied feeling when coming out of the grouse woods. And I don't, I don't know if it's you know, you know, a southern Wisconsin guy being up north and all the feelings that are wrapped into that. Oh, you know, I, I like to think it's just the pursuit and the landscape and the dog and it, it never it never feels like, you know, uh, a, a low experience on the totem pole, I guess.
2: I agree 100%. I think a lot has to do with it being in the North Woods and that special appeal of that to me. And then even if we hunt a new area, because I, I try to explore new areas every time I'm up there and we don't move a bird. I was still out in the woods. I still got to watch my dog work. I got to experience nature in a spot where most people probably, were, someone's been there. I mean, there's there's the odds of you stumbling into land no one's been at isn't probably realistic, but when you're on fresh snow and you don't see any tracks or even like multiple yeah. day old snow and you still don't see any tracks. I mean, it's like, it's it's just special because you just know it's not over pressured like a lot of other areas.
3: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree.
2: Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for this season. Hopefully we can hook up at some point and get the grips all yeah. together.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. It'd be, uh, we'll see what this, uh, how this outlaw is doing in a, in a couple of months.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll get out, we'll get out for some, cause you don't have a lot of experience with Woodcock and that's really one of my favorite birds to chase. I'll get out on by you. I know a couple areas I think we can go that I've scouted in the past and we'll get out and I'll show you what I'm looking for in habitat and you can yeah. pass that knowledge along as you go.
3: Yeah. Show you a couple spots then.
2: Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. I'll give the, I'll give this little bit of time left to you. Let people know anything, anybody you want to thank, let people know they can find you on social media, whatever you want to give out, man. It's This, oh. this time's yours.
3: Wow, self promotion. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm sort of, uh, yeah, I'm sort of getting started on all that. I don't really have a ton going on, but my Instagram handle is all manner of critters, where I, I post uh, my stuff. And I have been, um, you know, I mentioned writing, I have been writing a little more uh, for backcountry hunters and anglers. I'm starting to do a little more for them. And, um, you know, the. I would give a shout out just generally to the Wisconsin Sharptail Grouse Society. Um, if no one's aware of them or if you haven't heard that before, check them out. It's a small organization. I think there are about 100 members. But the Sharptail Grouse is a really cool thing in our state. And um, this group actually, like, does stuff. They take the money and they they put it toward habitat. It's not... You know, there's nobody to pay, right? So right, it's only a right. hundred people, and right. they're all doing it because they love the birds. So, sure. so it's a it's a pretty cool group. And um, if if people haven't heard about them, I, I would check them out because it's a it's really cool that we have sharp-tailed grouse in our state, and uh, it would be neat to to see a time when there were more of them. That's an uphill battle for sure, but um, agreed. I, I think it's worth talking about.
2: I would agree. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that species get lost to our state. And if we can improve the habitat to give them success for breeding and continue to, and continue on and make it a a better opportunity for everyone involved, that'd be that's amazing, right? I mean, that's, yeah. what, conserva- that's what conservation is. It's we give back. We make sure that we we increase habitat to increase their success of survival. And at the end of the day, if we get to be able to hunt them, it makes it even more special. And even if it's a species that we never get a chance to hunt, but we're continuing to make sure and that through conservation that it doesn't go extinct. I'm okay with that as well.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would, I would, I am much, I would take the deal 100% of the time. If you offered me, you know, would you give money towards something that you'll ne- you may never step foot in their habitat, but you'd have the knowledge that they remain in their habitat in the, the most natural way possible. I, I'd take that deal.
2: Hundred percent of the time. I agree, a hundred percent. I highly, I really appreciate you being on, even through yeah. some of our technical difficulties. I mean, yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was a unique show because of it. But it was, yeah. it was a good, it was, it was good, man. I, I, I really appreciate it, and um, I got to thank the listeners, like always and i've said this before i say this almost every time without you i wouldn't be doing this right i mean if no one's going to listen to my shows it's I, i'm not going to sit here and talk so i really do thank everyone that does that and i appreciate you being on it and until next time
1: thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on paddle in fin